welcome to Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. I'm your host, Tessa Morrow, and those tunes, as always, well, those are courtesy of country legend, my pal, Bobby Mackey. Now, as a paranormal investigator, we go into these locations not knowing what will happen, what will occur. Every location is different. You can investigate the same place 20 times, and guess what? you will have 20 completely different investigations and results and evidence collected every single time. Some investigations leave you in awe. Like, did that seriously just happen? And others you leave thinking, hmm, that was sort of a slow, dull investigation. Throughout the years, I've seen it all. There have been several times where I have dealt with seriously active locations. One location I'd like to touch on is in Old Wilmington, located off the waters of North Carolina. And I mean right off the water, not too far from the USS North Carolina battleship, which is also very, very haunted. I've been there before, haven't had the pleasure to investigate it, but I definitely felt some stuff there for sure. The location I want to talk about is the Museum of the Bazaar. This odd museum has an assortment of interesting things, such as a collection of letters written by numerous serial killers. (coughs) The only cast mold of Linda Blair's character in Exorcist, Reagan, Alistair Crowley's doorbell. Houdini's Ouija board, and the doll used in the Annabelle movies. Obviously, she's not the real Annabelle, the original, as she is in the late Warren's collection, but she is what you see in the movies. And this museum holds so much more, you guys. Before I go into details about my investigation there, I'd like to talk a bit about the property next to the museum. Now, This was a Serpentarium for several years. I'm an animal lover. I love going to places like that. I I love all creatures, almost. Not the bugs who bite. Mm -mm. I could live without those little bastards. Anyways, this place was filled with snakes, most venomous, from all around the world. Now, before you think, this isn't paranormal, why the hell is she talking about this? Just wait, you guys, it ties in with the paranormal, and you'll see why pretty soon. So anyways, some of these snakes included the Egyptian cobra, the bushmaster, the gaboon viper, black mambas, green mambas, and so on. It also held saltwater crocs, lizards, and other phenomenal creatures. Now, if you were lucky... You would even be there to bear witness to see the owner and international snake expert Dean himself feed some of the most venomous snakes in the world. I got to see this a few times and talk about adrenaline, you guys. It was phenomenal. I had the pleasure to meet Dean several times. He'd point out a snake and share a story of how he would be in the jungle of Brazil or some other awesome location and how he captured this very snake and really impressive stuff. Snakes, they were Dean's life. And Dean held the record, not meaning for this to happen, but he was bitten by the deadly Bushmaster snake 12 times in his life and survived. He lived to tell about it. No one else has done this before. 
Now, sadly, Dean's life was cut short a couple years back, and it was not due to a snake bite. Shortly after Dean's untimely passing, the neighboring building, the museum, had started experiencing paranormal happenings. Employees at the museum have witnessed seeing the apparition of none other than the international snake expert Dean himself in the museum. Now, I must mention that Dean owned the section of block. Those buildings includes the museum. He was good friends with the people at the museum. They would see each other just about every day. He'd go through the back door, kind of wave to them. And this is where people have seen his apparition. Not just one time, but several times. Since his passing, he has been seen at the museum. Now, it was several months before I found out of his death. My boyfriend and I were in Wilmington at Bourbon Street Cafe, our regular go-to for lunch when in town. If you love New Orleans food, you got to go there. Really good stuff for not being in New Orleans. And so anyways, we thought we'd go see our favorite snake dude. It was torrential rain that day. And for those familiar with Old Wilmington, North Carolina, you know what I mean when I say parking can be a bitch. So we left our car by the cafe and battled the hard rain to get to the Serpentarium. We were in for a horrible surprise. Not only was the joint closed indefinitely, but an announcement read something to the effect due to the untimely passing or or death of Dean. We were shocked. It's like, wait, what? Death? Surely this is not true. Surely... I don't know. So we just assumed, well, you know, maybe he finally got bit by one of these animals and it was the death of him. So depressed by this news, we walk back to our car, no longer caring about the hard rain pellets unforgivingly beating down on us. We walk the flooded streets back to our car. Well, a few weeks later, we go to the Museum of the Bazaar for the first time. We check it out, and I hear about strange happenings almost immediately. Eventually, it is planned that for my birthday, or the night before my birthday, my sister Casey and I will go to the museum and conduct an investigation with one of the managers, Teresa, who we had befriended during this first visit. When we went, like all investigations, it was with an open mind. Anything can happen. So I explain the tools and their purpose to Teresa, and we do a walkthrough of the museum. And she's sharing encounters that she's had and what people have told her. And by the end of the investigation, you guys, each of us, Teresa, Casey, and myself, would be walking away with personal encounters with the supernatural and the paranormal. For instance, Casey suddenly was overcome with sickness It came out of nowhere. She was feeling great the whole night when all of a sudden she just had a pounding headache. She is very ill and she had to slow down to recuperate. The ovulus came up with words like sick, fire, and head. Her head was splitting, you guys. Teresa was actually scratched. We were standing at a counter discussing something when suddenly she yelped in pain, lifting up her shirt ever so slightly to reveal scratches appearing and raising up on her stomach. I myself was grabbed on the right butt cheek. 
to me, it felt more like possibly a child trying to get my attention. It felt very innocent, but that little bugger still made me jump. (laughs) We were armed with our equipment, including our very own ears and eyes. This is such an active place. I heard a man humming and later singing. We all heard whistling. We heard knocking. We heard heavy footsteps. Teresa, at one point, saw a full-bodied apparition, and I, at a different time, saw something run past in my peripheral vision, and we all got goosebumps at different times and deep chills. So, as you can see, this bizarre museum sure has a lot to offer when it comes to the unexplained, the supernatural, and the paranormal, and I'd like to share some of the investigation with you all. Throughout the investigation, we collected a ton of evidence that proved there are indeed active hauntings taking place here, ranging from apparitions to being touched and from EVPs to spirit box answers and ovulus results in EMF spikes. So one of my favorites was when we were trying to communicate with our friend, the late international snake expert. We conducted EVP sessions and spirit box sessions with him throughout the night. I had brought some pictures that I had taken of some of Dean's beloved reptiles. Pictures that I had taken during visits at the Serpentarium. Their purpose? I plan to use them as trigger objects. Remember, Dean, he is severely linked to this place. He was here all the time. His apparition has been seen many a times. His snakes? They were his life. They were his passion. He was very, very proud of these precious and deadly, beautiful creatures. I was confident that we would be communicating with Dean that night. At the beginning of the investigation, we sit in a circle. We start an EVP session in the spot where Dean's apparition has been seen. With the pictures of his snakes laid out in front of us and our recorders recording and EMF meters on We were ready to communicate with Dean. And folks, I truly believe we did just that. Before we get a word in, the EMF spikes and starts making alert sounds. And this is coming from the Mel meter and the K2. Teresa lets Dean know that his young son is doing very good. We get a faint voice of a man whispering, thank you. So like, thank you. Mind you, all these electronic voice phenomena, these EVPs, we are hearing for the first time long after the investigation ended. As our recorders are picking up this precious evidence, our ears are not. After the man whispers, thank you, I instantly get major chills and goosebumps all over my arms. And at the same time, Teresa shares that she also has chills running up and down her entire back. We ask a few questions with no results. Then, you guys, what happens next is amazing. Teresa suddenly feels a breeze go across her face. 
She stands up for a moment to regain her composure, and understandably so. Unlike Casey and I, Teresa does not investigate the paranormal. She doesn't go out looking for this stuff. And this all is very new to her. Dean's untimely and very sudden death shocked her to the core. And right at this moment, during this special investigation, the three of us are feeling his presence very strongly. I asked Dean if he can tell us what type of snakes are in the pictures strewn across the floor. We get a special EVP of a man whispering, hey, they're right here. Hey, it's almost like you could hear the shock in his voice. Like he can't comprehend that his beloved precious snakes are right here when he's been separated for them for so long. When he died, his snakes and other animals were sold to an exotic animal dealer in Arizona, I believe. Also, later on in the investigation, we now are in the middle of a spirit box session. And unlike the EVP sessions where we don't hear the results immediately, with the spirit box sessions, we hear the evidence right away. Now, for the people listening who investigate the paranormal, sorry, but I like to mention these little things that... Well, me and you know, other people don't. So anyways, a couple times a man comes through the spirit box saying mamba. Now, I want to mention that Dean had three types of mambas, which is a very beautiful, very venomous and deadly creature. The eastern green mamba, the western green mamba, and of course, the black mamba. In the several years of using the spirit box, I never had the word mamba come through, but I find it so appropriate that it would come through not once, but twice, while talking to an international snake expert, who wasn't only an expert, but also someone who owned these beautiful venomous creatures. We end the EVP session and decide to go to another part of the museum. I leave one of the recorders and spirit box in Dean's area. A few moments later, I go to get the spirit box and it's nowhere to be seen. After searching a while, we find it on the Annabelle doll case. Well, definitely a location where it wasn't earlier. And this wasn't the only time this happened at this location. Later on into the night, it was found on the church pew that they have on display there. And I know for a fact it was nowhere near there. And none of us moved it. I mentioned that the following day is my birthday. And the ovulus, a tool that uses words from a dictionary to help communicate, and the ovulus speaks, saying, February. You guys, this is in the end of October. Nowhere close to that month. So I was about to debunk this, but then Teresa, very excitingly so, verified that, hey, February is Dean's birthday month. To further confirm and verify that we were talking with Dean through the ovulus, Through the recorder and through the spirit box, he communicated words that made all too much sense. He spoke his son's name, a name that, while I won't say on here for privacy issues, it's not a common name. He said his wife turned killer's name and nickname, and after her name, the word kill came up through the ovulus. It was bone-chilling and very accurate as she is the person responsible for his death. Dean is here, but 
The building is thought to have many resident spirits here joining him. Long ago, before this was a museum, it was Wilmington Ironworks. At least 10 documented deaths occurred here, not of course counting Dean's murder. While here, we got several names. They may be of the people who died here. Who knows? I I tried searching for any information, but was unable to find names. I'm still kind of researching that. It's a work in progress. At one point, we had the spirit box on and I heard a voice say, wow. So I document it and it is realized that it wasn't paranormal at all. Teresa's the one. She whispered, wow. And I love when we're able to debunk things. So we debunk that. Well, seconds later, though, a man comes through the spirit box and says, whoa, letting us know he is there listening to our conversation. And I thought that was kind of cool. So at one point, the word justice comes through the ovulus. All three of us, Teresa, Casey, and myself, we say justice. Then right after that, my recorder captures a man's voice whispering the word justice. Several moments later, Casey suddenly feels chills running down her back. Coming seemingly from nowhere, she shares what she's experiencing with Teresa and I. And suddenly my recorder captures this amazing EVP of what sounds like a woman saying, don't fill her back. Don't fill her back. Is this spirit telling another spirit, hey, back off, leave this woman alone? It's a pretty incredible piece of evidence. Another phenomenal EVP we got that night occurred when the shadow detector went off. Now, it had been silent all night, you guys. So, except a couple of times when we ourselves triggered it and obviously debunking that. I run in that direction and as this happens, my recorder captures the EVP of a man who sounds rather irritated and quite angry saying to us, get out of here right now. The ovulus comes to life as well, saying view and shadows. Now, we had seen shadows earlier in the investigation, and we see them again shortly after this happens. I don't know if this man was angry at us, wanting us to get the hell out of here, you know? Maybe he was being protective of his turf and wanting us to back off. Or maybe he was warning us that, hey, something sinister is here. A malevolent spirit, get the hell out of here. Teresa shares with us that besides seeing Dean's apparition, she has also seen the apparition of a soldier. My recorder captures an EVP of a man's pleading voice saying, don't go. And this is in the area we were walking to where the soldier is. He was warning us, don't go. Now, unlike the other EVP, I know this is a warning. A warning for what? I don't know. One of the last things I do at this investigation is a spirit box session in a coffin. It's on display at the museum and I thought it would be neat to do this. I carefully get in the coffin and get situated, putting the recorder on my chest along with the spirit box. I start asking questions. What's your name? A man's voice comes through saying, Bob. Casey is recording a video of the session and noticed a white flash come from the coffin when the man spoke. Another voice comes through, this one a man with a New York accent saying Frank. Suddenly I hear whistling. We had heard whistling several times throughout the night. 
Teresa shared that many times visitors of the museum would approach her, letting her know that they heard whistling when nobody else was around. The next thing that happens is a bit eerie and really awesome. I suddenly hear a man breathing, and he's breathing quite heavily. Not only am I hearing it through the spare box, but my recorder captured it as if the mouth was on the recorder and I could physically feel breathing on me. Then a few minutes later, Casey mentions that she just saw a shadow. And as this happens, a little girl's voice is caught in the background. Her words are unintelligible, but it was definitely a young child. And I ask, how old are you? And a man whispered in my ear, 42. Now, being sensitive, this happens from time to time. Earlier in the night, I was separated from Teresa and Casey, and they were asking questions. And Casey asked how many spirits were there at that very moment. And again, a whisper in my ear, a man says, two. So I called out, I just got two whispered in my ear. And as this was happening, a man whispered, an EVP saying two as well. So it's kind of cool, just that validation, that verification, you know. There was one time when I asked, how did you die? Now, I asked this several times throughout an investigation, and my recorder received this heartbreaking whisper from a man saying, took my life. Now, this could be many things. Obviously, it could be the soldier saying that war claimed his life. It could be Dean saying his wife took his life. Or it could be a victim of suicide, themselves taking their own life. We strongly feel a presence. We hear footsteps coming from within the building, shuffling sounds, and I ask, is somebody here with us? We receive an EVP from a man, faintly whispering, yes, I'm here. Now, we've got a lot of EVPs so far. We, mostly from men, a lot of male energy there had a few women pop up, but mostly men. So later on during another session, the name Walter pops up on the spirit box and the ovulus. Now, Walter came through the ovulus earlier during the investigation as well. And then we get an EVP of what sounds like a man saying, give Walter back his name. Incredible and heartbreaking. This is one of those things that requires a little bit more research. I will have to see if I can dig anything up. And if I do, I will let you guys and gals know. Now, throughout the investigation, Teresa kept feeling a hand pat her head. Being that the only other two people in the building were nowhere near her when this was happening, she really thinks that it may be her aunt who, at the time of this investigation, recently had passed away. And from time to time, she would pat her on the head. This is what her aunt did, and she was feeling it. And so, I don't know. I think that's really cool. It's neat when you feel that a loved one is near you. So, we got many other results that night, but like all investigations, many questions went unanswered. A lot of dead time, a lot of boring parts. I would love to come back and investigate there someday. And if you guys are ever in Old Wilmington, go check out the museum and the USS North Carolina battleship as well. The museum, it's small, but it has so much to check out. Tell them Tessa sent you. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Check out the others. They are equally awesome. Want a weekly reminder of the newest episodes when they're released? Subscribe now through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, 
Overcast, CastBox, Google Podcast, Podcast Republic, Podcast Addict, Spotify. <laughs> Basically, you guys, wherever you listen to your other awesome podcasts, you'll find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. See you next week. Poor girl, poor girl, lady.